0: Welcome to Childcare Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Well, we're back and today we're going to talk more about staffing and we're so excited that you joined us because well, we need staff, right? Like this is a common common thread that we've been hearing for well, feels like know, years, Carrie.
1: <laughs> yeah, 20 <laughs> some odd years I feel like this has been an ongoing thing. Uh, And it's not something that people get a whole lot of training in. Um, They've had bad bosses. They've had good bosses. So they sort of take what they can. But I think a lot of the stuff that the longer you're in, you maybe have heard, uh, you know, or we have heard, maybe other people haven't heard. And so as you guys are joining in the conversation today, um, I want to talk about how many people directly report to each member of administration does every assistant directly report to the owner of the business <laughs> so
0: do she- you, okay so let's talk a little bit about that because I know that there's a lot of directors that are like oh I've only got like 20 staff well all 20 report to that
1: director right so I mean is that what you're talking about yeah I think best practices is that each person only has five direct reports So there's lots of ways to skin that cat. So if you've got 20 staff, if all 20 of them are reporting to the director, then we're not following best practices. And you can't be in a good, deep relationship with 20 different people. You're not going to be as good at communicating with all 20 of them because you don't have a close or um, an effective relationship with all 20 of them. And that's okay. There are people on your team who you may not communicate well with.
0: Okay, so are you saying, so I, I just, I'm I'm sitting here going, but if I'm a director and I've got the staff or there's an owner and the owner thinks I need to manage everybody, isn't that the same thing? Like, don't I have to manage them? To, don't they have to report to me for me to manage them?
1: Not really, because <laughs> um, who is the direct report um, if you are in charge of, IBM, right? You have you are responsible for tens of thousands of employees at IBM, but that CEO doesn't know all the tens of thousands of people. They know maybe 30 people well, and they have about five people who report to them. And then those five people support the people uh, on their teams who support the people on their teams who support the people on their teams. You can't support 20 people on your own. It's, uh, you know, it's just not viable. And that's why we end up with directors burning out because they're trying to support 20 people and they're only one person. And maybe they've got a board or an owner who's supporting them. So it's one person supporting one person supporting 20. And so any architect will tell you that this is not a, a an appropriate way to have supports built. So you've got to figure out ways to have smaller, to have groups that are then reporting to somebody who reports to you.
0: So you mean groups like classrooms?
1: It can be. I mean, that's the default, right? We would go, okay, so this is the butterfly team and this is the bears team and this is the Acelot team or whatever, um, or this is the pre-K one, pre-K two, whatever. Um, but sometimes you still have 12 classrooms and this doesn't get you as far as we need to get. Um, and sometimes those people have worked together for five years And they don't really feel like one person should be reporting on the other. Or maybe they're co-teachers. And so the idea that one of them is responsible for the other kind of rubs people the wrong way. So you got different ways to do that. So what are some of the ways that you can think of outside of doing it? for classroom to classroom?
0: Well, I mean, there's definitely outside of classroom to classroom, there's the different roles within the organization. So you could have all of the lead teachers reporting to somebody who might be in charge of curriculum. So um, it doesn't mean a lead teacher can't also be in charge of curriculum and can't also be in charge of the curriculum team. And so in that case, it's, you know, if you've got three or four classrooms, that lead teacher is in charge of five things. So Carrie said five people. I also like to include major projects. So if you've got a lead teacher who's in charge of maybe curriculum assistance in other words, maybe they're not writing the curriculum for every room, but they're helping uh, lead teachers with curriculum. And then there's four classrooms that report to them. That's their five. Like, don't give them more. Um, Same thing could be done potentially with lead teachers, auxiliary staff. Um, You could also, I really like thinking about maybe even the projects or the purpose of the roles within the organization. So um, if you've got assistants, um, classroom assistants or co-teachers who also... Uh, maybe they're also working with parent relations. So you've got maybe somebody who's helping you with the newsletter. You've got somebody who is doing your parent teacher organization, or however you call it within your school. So you've got, again, some different roles that come together and make sense for what they do outside of the classroom. Yeah. So you have that that opportunity.
1: That could work. Or you could do like maybe somebody on your staff is great with social media and they're doing the social media at your program. They're not part of the administrative team. (laughs) So we can't go, okay, they're part of the admin team, but we can make them part of the parent communication team. So that assistant or floater or chef or whoever it is, who's really good at social media might be on the same team with those really veteran teachers who you're like, ooh, we've got an issue. I want this teacher to be talking to parents about this issue. So your social media floater and your teacher who's been in the industry for 10 years are on the same team. Um, So that makes a lot of sense. Um, It yes. can also be like who one team might be the people who are really into the outdoor activities. Mm-hmm. And so they're really great at coming up with those ideas. And there's other people who are like, I go outside, I find a horizontal surface, I I lean up against it. Um, so I'm not really sitting, I'm just halfway sitting. And then we've got, you know, the... For staff who just absolutely love to come up with kickball games or to invent new versions of tag or to have a garden or you know all kinds of different outside things and that could be a team
0: well and it's like having the team that's really that loves coming up with new craft projects or innovative again um in a innovative parent gifts or or you know the the holiday group, right? So the group that handles that uh you they can do absolutely... the
1: parties. They do the parties.
0: <laughs> yep. That's exactly. So you have somebody and their role within the school and then their role within their group also would need to be identified. So your party group might be in charge of the innovative um Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents' Day. Those traditional kind of events that we want to recognize that they are um more welcoming and so but then they may also be in charge of the anniversaries or or the graduation absolutely so there's all those bits and pieces that can you can move those puzzle pieces around however you want to or pieces on a chessboard um and you have to think about the culture um one of the things I love really about creating the tiers, the lever levels, the different opportunities for leadership is that there isn't basically three levels, right? There isn't basically assistant teacher, lead teacher, you know, director, like, you know, that that doesn't really make um, opportunities for people to grow within your organization. And so I think identifying, even if you're a small program, fun ways to group people um and realize that you know as people move from peer to leader that that may also create opportunities for additional learning and so that needs to be something that's really key
1: and if it was that you know i'm part of the party team it is a easier step up (laughs) from peer to leader than i was a classroom teacher and now i'm the director like that is a big step where, if we can go, I'm a classroom teacher. Now I'm the person who coordinates with the director on parties and celebrations. People aren't going to have a huge amount of trouble with that additional responsibility because they're like, I don't want to go have those meetings. And so then, when, if that person then moves into leadership as the assistant director or curriculum coordinator or parent resource, you know, whatever titles you have at your center it feels less jarring to the people in your school so it's better for the director because the director's only in charge of five people directly and it's better for growing leaders okay and it's a way to recognize people's gifts things that people are really good at that isn't necessarily called out in a job description right
0: So I know people are listening to us right now and I'm sure people are going, okay, give us examples. So I think we need to work on our list of five examples. So you have an assistant director. Okay.
1: I'm just going with titles,
0: right? And so then we have curriculum coordinator.
1: Yeah. The parent relations specialist or basically the person who's in charge of the party committee. (laughs) Okay. So that's three. What else? So there's finance. Yep and food slash purchasing. <laughs> well, that could, and, that, and,
0: and yeah, so inventory and purchasing could fall under finance because you also need to have somebody who is handling outreach and marketing. So in other words, who's coordinating the tours, who's leading the tours, who's making sure that your first impressions are on point.
1: Yeah, and that might be the assistant director or again, we might have that team we talked about pretty early on in this conversation where you've got that floater who's really good at social media and then you've got the person who's going to send out thank you notes and you've got the person doing the tour and maybe somebody doing a website. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we've got, um, so easily we've come up with about six, what you do with your assistant director, every program kind of handles differently. Um, I think all of these opportunities that we've talked about, depending on the size of your program um don't necessarily require full time standalone positions um curriculum coordinator parent relations finance communications um I'm going to write purchasing.
1: Yeah, they can all be things that somebody does. Say, for instance, if the person is the purchasing manager for supplies, okay, that should not be done every day. That should be done at most once a week. My preference is once a month, but that's because I don't like to spend money. Uh, (laughs) So... You know, the person placing the Cisco order or the HEB order or the discount school supply order should not be placing orders every day that should be confined. And so somebody's working in the classroom 35, 40, uh, 35, 38 hours of the week, and then they're spending between two and five hours a week placing those orders um, and checking the orders in when they come in.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing that's really important with that is to look at experience. And this is a way where as you're getting to know your staff or you're hiring your staff, you've probably heard us talk before about knowing where your holes are. So what are your strengths? So what are the things that you avoid if you are one of those people who don't like confrontation or you really like numbers aren't your thing. So you like totally let people slide on late fees, you have a tendency to forget sending invoices, whatever it might be. Um, you know, go find people who are currently on your staff who are really good at those things who like to do those things. And um, You know, work it out where, you know, during nap time or they come in a little early or they stay a little later in the day um, when they have time to do those roles.
1: Or they do it one day a month. You know, Mm -hmm. you can do it lots of different ways. And we're not saying you have to break your teams up this way. We just know most people break their teams up and they go, this is the infant team. This is the toddler team. This is the pre-K team. This is the school age team. And you can totally do that. But if that's not working for you, <laughs> we want to give you another way to think about it because sometimes you have somebody who they're in the assist, they're in the assistant or the floater role, and you know they're going to be in management very soon. And you don't have any open teacher positions. <laughs> so this is a way to help them get into management without getting rid of a beloved two-year-old teacher because they don't have to go through all the steps they can skip around and still end up in administration. Cause you find somebody like, you know, my daughter, Joanna, who I don't understand, but she loves to set up an office. She thinks that's the best thing. I think we may have scarred her by having her do filing when she was in the single digits, but (laughs) you know, if you've got an assistant in a classroom or a floater who you know is going to end up in the office, give them another route to get there.
0: Absolutely. And it also means that folks don't always have to be full-time in a classroom. It also means that not all your staff have to be full-time. It is okay to have part-time staff. Um, One of the things that I have encouraged people to start to think about is that schedule flexibility. And I have really encouraged people to have conversations with their staff And figure out, do your staff need and want to work all 40 hours? Or are they perfectly content with 30 or 35? And, you know, what do you need from a class coverage standpoint? Because we know that there's some flexibility there. And then you might find out that, I mean, Carrie had this one staff person, and it's always the one I go back to because... It It's hard for people to even think that people might want to do this, but she worked the mornings and she worked after school and she had the middle of the day off. And so it's definitely worth considering why people are there and what kind of hours work best. So some people may say they're working full time, but really what they want to do is they want to come in and they want to work eight to one thirty because they want to work while their kids are at school. But they still have to be able to drop them off and they still have to be able to pick them up. Um,
1: I mean, this is also a way to I keep hearing people say there's no way to have virtual work in childcare. The heck there isn't. <laughs> um you cannot be in charge of a classroom from your house but all of these other things we've been talking about can all be done at home they don't have to be done in the building especially if you have electronic records and files if you're using ProCare or one of those services there's a lot of work that can be done from not in the building mm-hmm. and I think we ignore that at our peril. If we say that it's a hundred percent or you know, it's zero percent virtual, go ahead and give them two to five percent <laughs> virtual um if they're a classroom position. And you know, it could be up to 30% virtual if they're working in administration, maybe even more. Depends on the position.
0: And again, it depends on where you are as an administrator, whether you're the owner, the director, or you're somewhere in that upper tier. You know, if you really like and you know you are more efficient at home, then just let people know. I don't come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I work from home those days, whatever might work for you. So remember that there is no how to, like, you don't have to do it any specific way. You can puzzle piece, pu- puzzle piece your way through. I do know there are programs that they just They like the ease of everybody being full-time. They like the ease of everybody being on, you know, kind of a a salary kind of situation. You know, they just like things simple. And they're often the ones that get stuck because if you have somebody who's full-time or a couple of people are full-time and they get sick or they leave or whatever, then you've got really big gaping holes in your schedule. Where if you had more staff, more quantity of staff, um, same full-time equivalent coverage, um, if somebody leaves and they leave and they were a 20-hour staff person, um, that is easier for you to pick up if you have to pick up the hours or for somebody else to pick up the hours or to hire, perhaps, than it is if somebody was full-time.
1: Yep. Be more flexible. That's what we're trying to get at. And have teams because having a team, not only does it help you with the only having five people that directly report to you, but it also helps your staff to feel more connected to each other because they have bonds, not just with you, but with other people on their team. And if the only team they have is their classes and there's some sort of conflict in their classroom, then they're going to leave. But if the team extends beyond their classroom, they're more likely to come to you with the problem so that you can resolve it because they want to stay working with people they like in a place with a great workplace culture. If you don't know about your workplace culture, go back two episodes and listen to our episode about workplace culture. It is important. It is important.
0: All right. So anything else, Carrie, that we need to think through? The other thing you might do if you are still running in and you're still stuck with what we're talking about, we've hoped you've joined professional networks and professional associations. You're hopefully part of some sort of Facebook group or some sort of group that you can connect with. Ask other people, what does your assistant do? Do you have a curriculum coordinator? You know, ask people what they do, and you might find that you like your arrangement better. You might like that we've dropped enough seeds that you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up that one, and I'm going to pick up that one, and I'm going to plant those in my program. It is perfectly okay to ask other people what they do, but also Look at what else is happening in your community. If everybody, every other program in your community is losing staff and
1: everybody seems to be structured the same way. Stop doing that. <laughs> if everybody is doing something and it's not working, don't do the thing everybody's doing. Most of the time, don't do the thing everybody's doing because if you do what everybody else is doing... You don't stand out in any way. You're just another white sheep. It's more fun to be a purple sheep. Be a little different. (laughs) I'm
0: going to go with polka dots. So, all right. Well, we are so glad that you guys joined us this week. And we are looking forward to talking to you next week. And so next week, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the most recent book that we wrote. And we're excited to have y'all listen and, and tune in. And if you've liked what you've heard, write a review. Uh, a couple of the different platforms, you actually have to listen to like five episodes, and that's okay. Go listen to five. And if you still look for a topic, reach out to us at kate at texasdirector.org or carrie at texasdirector.org and say, I need help with fill in the blank.
1: See you next week. Thank you
0: for listening to Child Care Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Want to learn more? Check out our website at texasdirector.org. And if you've learned anything today, Leave us a comment below and share the show.